0: Hey everyone, welcome back to the 443 Security Simplified. I'm your host, Mark the
1: Liberty, and joining me today is... Cory Magnesium Loader Knockriner. I wanted to be something cooler than Nickel. <laughs>
0: In today's episode, we will be discussing a particular malware loader used by Cory's favorite nation-state threat actor. Uh, before that, though, we'll, so we will cover- They're so and chubby with their ball haircut, aww. <laughs> oh man. You are going to get targeted by them. <laughs> uh, before that, though, we'll discuss uh, AI social engineering or AI-delivered malware that doesn't really abuse AI, but could be a potential avenue. And the latest attack against a network equipment vendor and their products. Uh, with that, though, never let's heard of that before.
1: <laughs> let's,
0: let's go ahead and I don't know network our way in. That was bad. Route our way in. That would have been way better. Oh. Route our way in. Next time. So let's uh, start this week with a advisory from our very good friends at CISA uh, that they published on Wednesday of last week. Uh, it's AA23270A, which I'm sure everyone will memorize, as always. Uh, in this advisory they described a campaign by the people's republic of china uh, compromising primarily cisco but it seems to be other um, small office remote office router uh, appliances and basically inserting a backdoor into the firmware in order to gain access to certain companies so in their first off this sounds very i don't know familiar um, in their advisory they described a prc linked a threat actor called Black Tech, where they gained initial access to international subsidiaries for US and Japanese companies, and then gained administrative access to network edge devices. And with that access, they were able to modify the firmware to hide their activity across these edge devices and maintain persistence, um, and then specifically using that access to go after the corporate networks of these subsidiaries. Um, they noted that the back door, a few uh, other things from this advisory, the back door could be turned off and on with a specially crafted TCP or UDP packet and um, included uh, SSH access that bypassed logging capabilities of these devices. Um, they walked through the actual firmware replacement process. Basically, they would first go in and modify the existing uh, iOS, so Cisco firmware in memory. Uh, in a way that allowed them to install modified firmware and a modified bootloader. Uh, They then installed that modified firmware and a modified bootloader that allows it to stay persistent and evade the router's security features. Um, And then they basically did all of this through Cisco's normal command line interface when it came to the actual upgrades. So in this particular case, uh, it doesn't look like it was a, a specific exploit they were going after. It's They gained elevated privileges and then abused the normal upgrade systems in there in order to install their own crap on the devices. Um, Cisco put out their own advisory alongside this, basically confirming what the CISA report said, but pointing out a few specifics, like they needed elevated access in order to get in, uh, that the attackers targeted legacy devices that didn't have secure boot. They pointed out that modern Cisco devices do even linked back to a blog post from three years ago titled, Attackers Continue to Target Legacy Devices, which seems to indicate from Cisco's perspective that this is likely targeted towards end of sale or end of life appliances in their arsenal. Stuff. Yeah. But either way, like backing up to the meat of this, though, uh, we've seen a, a common trend in the last few years seems to be threat actors, especially nation state ones, going after network infrastructure and then abusing that in order to attack uh, or try to attack organizations, which makes sense. Like I feel like some companies potentially will set up like their network equipment. Well, I mean, you in general, your network equipment has at least physical access to a lot. You may not have the right rules in place to block access from these devices to other networks. And it makes sense that that would be a good jumping off point if you're trying to go after a company. I don't know. What are your thoughts, Corey?
1: For sure, routers are definitely a good way to get in, and and getting a a remote office, a smaller, older router in a a remote office first to hop on to the actual place, the headquarters it goes to, is very smart. So it seems like state-sponsored actors really do love routing devices. I do think it's interesting that these need pretty old Cisco devices, I would assume. A lot of the new ones have secure boot, I would presume.
0: And they did, uh, so CISA put out some detection and mitigation uh, learnings at the end of the report. Basically, monitor inbound and outbound traffic from network infrastructure, like specifically looking for SSH access to your routing infrastructure. Uh, They recommend disabling outbound connections from your network routers themselves. In Cisco land, it's transport output none is the configuration command. They do note this will break some things like copying files or copying stuff from your router to remote servers, um, and then also just limiting administrative access to a separate VLAN, and not only block all other access to the router, but block all access from that administrative VLAN to other networks too. Now I think that's a good distinction. Like having a management VLAN isn't anything new. That's been a recommendation forever for just about everything, but. I haven't seen it at least explicitly called out frequently to also look at outbound traffic from that management network to limit the potential spread of one of these important systems becoming compromised. Um, So the the funny thing uh, that that alongside this, and it appears to be entirely unrelated, um, it was also Cisco's patch day last Wednesday. And so they released some uh, vulnerability uh, advisories, one of them being CVE 2023-20109, uh, which was a vulnerability in their uh, group encrypted transport VPN or GET VPN uh, that runs on iOS or iOS XE, basically their mobile VPN system, uh, where they found an adversary with authenticated access to the key server that backs this up could send modified commands to the Cisco routers and gain code execution on them through a an overflow. So it looks like this is just coincidence and most likely not related to it. But when I first saw that advisory pop up immediately after CISA's advisory of threat actors compromising Cisco routers, I was like, oh, you know, that would make sense. But it looks like it was just coincidence and they just patched this vulnerability and it wasn't directly related to the attack. Um, anyways so moving on uh last thursday uh, malwarebytes published a blog post describing their research into malicious ads being served inside bing's ai chatbot uh before we continue Corey, this feels like a i guess it's still not a prediction hit for us but man it's getting close because our prediction was specifically Malicious AI chatbots on like things like a banking website being used to social engineer people, right? Yeah,
1: they might inject something that would pop up and make you think like you're chatting. But in this case, uh, this is interesting because they're using a legitimate chatbot for malicious purposes you're about to share.
0: Yeah. So instead of injecting the chatbot, we're finding now that everyone has an AI powered chatbot. Maybe you can just inject things into that chatbot itself. Uh, so if you remember last February, or I guess this February, Microsoft released Bing chat, uh, which is powered by GPT-4, uh, remembering that OpenAI's chat GPT is technically GPT-3.5 for the public one. You have to pay 20 bucks a month for GPT-4. Anyways, whatever. Um, soon after launching that chat plugin, though, uh, Microsoft added advertisements to try and monitor uh, monetize the interactions. So, you know, like, Microsoft is being Google with Google. They make all of their money from the advertisements that are displayed in search results. Like if you go search for ice cream, the top 3 results are probably going to be a sponsored advertisement for local ice cream places. Chatbots kind of take that and get rid of a lot of their advertising opportunities because now instead of me searching like Google for local ice cream shops, I can say, "Hey, ChatGPT, What's the best ice cream near me? And it'll give just a you know single response that's most likely not an ad. So the way that Microsoft has handled this or attempted to monetize it is when you're given a link from Bing chat or whatever it's called, if you hover over it, it gives you two links, it gives you the legitimate like destination below and then right above it, it'll give you a targeted advertisement based off of the whatever the heck the context is for that link. So Malwarebytes found in one of their examples, they searched for an advanced IP scanner and the advertisement that was displayed was actually a malvertising link where the users were taken to a website called uh, my net IP uh, which I haven't heard the CFD TLD before. I'm trying to figure out that doesn't sound like a country one. And it, I mean, it's I not know. like hotel. So what the heck is it? Um, anyways, taking to this website, that's just designed to filter out bots, sandboxes, and researchers by checking like IP address, time zone, things like that. Uh, then it redirects real humans. What is it?
1: CFD is clothing and fashion design. Okay. Duh. (laughs) (laughs) Obvious. (laughs) Okay
0: weird i okay i i if does anyone listen first off is anyone listening to this please hopefully but if anyone listening to this has <laughs> a relative or a family member in clothing or fashion design is that an actual like used abbreviation in that industry like it's uh, whatever curious, maybe i'm yeah. getting too in the weeds on that that uh, seems like very forced and now it's just being used for fishing but anyways so they get sent to this website filters out all the fake stuff Uh, Real humans are then redirected to another fake website that's designed to look like the legitimate advancedipscanner.com, whereas all the others, like if you're coming from a researcher IP or a sandbox, you're sent to a decoy website. Uh, You're then prompted to download your advanced IP scanner, which is actually a MSI installer that contains a heavily obfuscated VBS script that reaches out to another IP address and downloads an additional payload. Um, now, how did these ads show up? Malwarebytes found out a threat actor had compromised the account of a legitimate Australian business and used that to create two, these two malicious ads, one targeting admins, uh, network admins, so this advanced IP scanner, and the other targeting lawyers uh, with a advertisement for My Case Law Manager. So, Corey, what are your thoughts on the future of AI social engineering like this? This seems pretty basic. Like it's no different than, you know, Google advertisements, like malicious Google ads. But this is also Microsoft's first attempt at monetizing. And it feels like pretty ham fisted. You know, hover over the link and we'll show an ad first. Imagine like a future where the chatbot's a little more nuanced and maybe like the it worked into the text is the advertisement somehow. Uh, and you or I might not know that's an advertisement. I mean, maybe there's laws that'll require them to say this is an advertisement. But I can feel like in the future, as you know, our interactions with these chatbots become more frequent, um, and maybe it's even easier to insert malicious recommendations or hooks or lures or whatever into the context of it
1: what are your thoughts is this really any sort of ai based chatbot i mean at the end of the day this has nothing to do with the ai so to speak in my opinion this is just more malvertising Uh, as they start throwing ads and various ai tools we use sure it's a nice way to get a potential malvertising link in front of your face that has something to do with what you're chatting about. So I think it's smart social engineering and malvertisements, but I feel like this is something they clean up on the ad supply and end. Like I, whether it's a chat bot or a search or wherever you put these ads, it's just some sort of ad API, right? And I assume whoever supplies the ads, it's up to them to clean up the ads and not make it easy for malicious actors to get malicious ads showing up a top ranking. So I feel like this one, like it's not super associated with AI. What I'm interested in seeing though, is when people inject content on like a compromised page and they start using their own AI chat bots to, you know, steer conversations and respond in a certain way to eventually strongly make you click on a link after a conversation that's been guiding you there. That would be more interesting to me than just seeing them add ads to chatbots. But I don't know, Um, am I underselling this one?
0: That was a, was it Black Hat or DEF CON this year? I went to a talk on um, AI and AI chatbots where I think it was like Bing's web page interpreter where, yeah, so it was the plugin for Edge uh, using like Bing AI, where when you go to a website, you could say, hey, summarize this. And it would summarize the website contents for you. And the researchers at, I think it was uh, DEF CON that year, the uh, researchers went through and figured, okay, what if we you know put prompt injection in the website itself, invisible to humans, like hide it in the HTML comments or whatever, but visible to the interpreter, and it would cause it to do something. Um, and they found that uh, they were able to, in like this case, do prompt injection um, and ultimately trick a user into like, visiting a link or clicking a link to something. And funny enough, uh, if I remember right, the end result was someone wrote an article about it too. And the article did not include the actual prompt injection, but it was talking about it. And if you went and summarized that page, it would still carry out the exact same action just because at that point the model had been trained up of like the association of whatever the keyword was and like spit out this, like I love you thing or click this link or whatever. Uh, I'm not doing it justice. I'll have to remember that. We talked about it on the podcast, I thought, because it was super interesting. But my point is, I don't think we're that far away from uh, like training injection or prompt injection interfering with things like advertisement or even just like basic responses from AI chatbots. Because remember, like these are trained up on the internet, like the entire contents of the internet. And I think a motivated attacker could spin up enough like websites or something to get a high enough rating, ranking, whatever, in the, the training data for these, where maybe it starts spitting out something uh, false or uh, malicious when you try and like ask for an advanced IP address scanner. I don't know. I could see that being a, a future for some sort of adversarial activity, specifically trying to insert your crap into the training data being used by these models. And that's a potential avenue that isn't that far away. I bet. I don't know. I'm also not convinced that these things aren't just going to end the world here sometime in the next couple of years too. I'm very much on the cynical bandwagon for AI these days because they're evolving way too dang quickly.
1: I don't think they're going to kill us. I just think they're going to take all the jobs. I don't think they're, well, no, you know, I'm not convinced.
0: They're not going to kill us. Like what happens when we, they figure out that a lot of their tasks are way more efficient with humans removed from the equation.
1: (laughs) They're not reasoning now. They just do single, Mm -hmm. even the multimodal ones aren't even reasoning. They just switch between types of tasks. I think the idea that they can even reason yet is kind of silly. Large language models might seem like they're reasoning because they answer your questions, but in reality, they're just adding one likely word after another in response to your topic. We'll see. We'll see. They are good at doing these single tasks very well, so much so that I think they're going to change the economy quite a bit. And the world could end from that. Take away 7 billion people's jobs, leaving only 500 million employed and... uh, 10,000 that owned the world. And I bet you that 7 billion get a little upset. Yeah. That's an even more frightening
0: future. You're right.
1: That's kind of what I think will happen if they take all our jobs. I did. uh, Let them eat cake is what that 1% might be saying one day. And they'll hear from us if they do. (laughs) Total tangent at this point, but I was listening
0: to a hard fork, a good podcast on like technology by the New York times Uh, it comes out like every Friday and it's like an hour and a half long podcast so it's the perfect amount for me to go like mow my lawn and do a bit of weeding and then i wrap up around the time the episode does and for the last like few months they've been very ai focused just because in technology everything is very ai focused right now and one of the hosts um has been using like chat gpt which is gpt 3.5 Uh, up until recently uh, for like random things and their main takeaway was you know whatever this isn't super interesting yeah it's cool but you know it's not like really groundbreaking anymore they went and paid for gpt4 and they were like blown away night and day at just how improved it was and how more nuanced its answers can be Um, one of the examples they gave was uh, using gpt4 as like a tutor for technical subjects like right. let's say you're in school trying to learn something, and instead of using it to fake all of your like essays, using it as like a, a effectively a paid tutor to learn something technical and like bounce questions off of it to get you know help on areas you might be stuck, and like let's say algebra or whatever, um, and I think that's a cool use for artificial intelligence that could take off pretty dang quickly and displace a whole bunch of poor college students that are just trying to make lunch money. But anyways, tangent over. That's a great podcast, by the way. If you <laughs> like technology, hard fork is fantastic. Uh, like they are the name, just fork. as sassy as I am sometimes. Um. Anyways, so you, you, you don't think that is going to.
1: Mark is sassy. it's <laughs> uh, so yes, queen. Sorry. Oh, my God.
0: <laughs> um, so Corey is not on the bandwagon of AI taking over the world anytime soon. Um, I'm still remain, unconvinced.
1: am hey, I, I just don't, th- I, I think there's a dystopian future. I just think that, uh, us thinking at Skynet is, I think it will kill our economy before they get smart enough to kill us.
0: Okay, good. Happy, uh, <laughs> yeah, <on>. happy
1: thoughts. <laughs> it's uh, a good story though. Actually, day. maybe, maybe we'll use it to better society. Like we have for technology in the past just like few stumbles here and there yeah Yeah. we did so great with nuclear uh fusion
0: and yeah whatever i'm not convinced with technology saving the world anymore after the last couple of decades um moving on back to security topics though Uh, so eset published a blog post last friday detailing their research into a recent campaign by our good friends lazarus uh, that targeted an unnamed aerospace company in spain and they start out, you know, Lazarus has been doing activities similar to what we're about to talk about for quite some time now. Microsoft published a blog post a couple of years ago describing how Lazarus tricks researchers into uh, executing hey, North Korea, malicious right? Yeah, Lazarus is North Korea. Uh, like I said, our good friends, uh, definitely our, our favorite threat actors that never target civilians just for the sake of stealing money. <laughs> um, in this case, though. Now they were going after this aerospace company in Spain, and they gained initial access to the company by targeting employees with LinkedIn messages, where they were masquerading as a recruiter uh, for Meta with a job offer. Uh, As part of that recruitment proceedings, they tricked the victims into uh, downloading and executing uh, programs that are disguised as like programming exercise. Uh, So it's quiz1.exe and quiz2.exe that are contained within like ISO image files. So the prompt is that you're supposed to understand these programs and rewrite them in C++. In reality, what happens is when you open quiz.1, it just literally prints out hello world and command prompt. When you open quiz.2, it prints out like a Fibonacci Fibonacci sequence um, based off like a number you put in as a command. Uh, But in the background, uh, they're going and downloading or uh, extracting and executing additional payloads from that ISO file and installing them on the victim's machines. Uh, it uses what's called the nickel loader uh, to deliver two different remote access Trojans. The first one is one that ESET uh, mentioned uh, Lazarus has been using for a while called Blinding Can. Uh, it's been a known part of the toolkit for quite some time. It's a fairly basic remote access Trojan. The second one, though, uh, ESET's calling Lightless can, uh, is a significantly more sophisticated remote access trojan that has 68 different commands, although only 43 of them are currently functional. The rest are just placeholders. It mimics entire like Windows internal applications like uh, ping and net and sc and basically basic Windows commands. Um, And it loads itself through a whole bunch of DLL side loading and DLL hijacking using trojanized versions of things like the Python plugins library for Notepad++, a trojanized version of a open source Minesweeper clone that was kind of interesting. Basically, all these different ways to fly in under the radar using encrypted data blobs that it then decrypts and loads into memory and executes. And basically, ESET's takeaway from this was the lure is interesting, you know, tricking people into launching a program by saying this is a quiz for uh, trying to get a job at Meta. But the frightening thing is that they seem to have evolved to a high level of sophistication in design and operation for their actual malware. Like their original remote access Trojans were pretty basic. These ones are pretty dang sophisticated. So, Corey, what are your thoughts? North Korea is getting better at writing malware. Good thing or bad thing?
1: I I guess they're getting better at writing malware, but I was more fascinated with the social engineering technique of this, you know, posing as a, uh, uh, HR person trying to give tests to people, chatting on LinkedIn with folks, active chats. And also who's going to like, if I were chatting with someone for a programming job, I would be a little concerned if my quiz were files they sent. It's rando.exe, and so, anyways, I, I cared more about the social engineering of this one than the actual details of the the backdoor. Especially since I think the first one was a known one. It's just the second one that was kind of uh, interesting. They've been doing a lot of this social engineering
0: targeting right now people that work within a, a company they're going after, but they've done like kind of dragnet ones towards security researchers too. I think one that we talked about probably two years ago now on the podcast was they were reaching out to security researchers on the website formerly known as Twitter, uh, and then asking them to collaborate on like a vulnerability analysis. They share a like GitHub repository, and then if the researcher were to open that repository in VS Code and uh, mark it as a trusted directory, it would some of the build commands in there would install malware on that researcher's machine. They they definitely seem to be focused on social engineering and going after people as a means for gaining that initial yep. access. And they're targeting technical folks too. Like they're targeting security researchers and they're targeting programmers in this case, which yeah.
1: You'd think yeah. that they, they have to be pretty sophisticated wanna, to target them.
0: I, so yeah, I don't want to go so far as to say people in technical roles are better at spotting social engineering than non-technical folks but at least like security researchers, you think they'd be a little bit more cautious. Suspicious about of the files
1: at least, and maybe want yeah. to analyze a PDF or like, if you got a PDF, but it op- only would open with a special PDF viewer or something, I think you should be a little more suspicious if you're a technical folk than the average Joe. Maybe yeah. you don't pop up in a debugger immediately and reverse something, but I think you'd at least question But in this case, if
0: you're being contacted by a recruiter for an organization, maybe treat anything files or whatever they try to send you with extreme skepticism, especially if it was unsolicited, just some random person reaching out to you on LinkedIn.
1: Yeah, I would, I would try to do it if I was getting to a part of an interview where I'm actually taking tests, I would hope to have had a, a video message call with that recruiter at least once um well it's okay so Deepfakes i don't know. Can
0: solve that issue too from the attackers that's perspective. true <laughs> they're getting there yeah
1: i've even so seen a very uh, interesting uh, case
0: there's i forgot the name of it there's a company right now that's got a like deep fake style model this design not only to mimic someone's voice but to translate it into another language so like i could talk into it wow. and it would make it come out with my exact same like voice and everything but in german as an example uh, I wonder that's if there's one that cool. can translate from something extreme, like Korean to English. I don't know. Maybe that's a little outside of its area of expertise, but we're probably not far away from that either.
1: Yeah, we're getting there.
0: The future is awesome. At least it's job security for us until <laughs> AI not only creates all these so attacks, could take but over completely replaces too. us. <laughs> 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 Whatever. Uh, Either way, I mean, same rules still apply to just social engineering protection in general. Treat everything with skepticism, period. Does not matter what medium it comes through. Email, text message, LinkedIn. Stop falling for this stuff, man. And stop it, North Korea. Stop being mean.
1: Yeah. I'm sure they'll listen to that. Stop being mean King, whatever your name is. No one cares.
0: (laughs) Perfect international diplomacy there.
1: Yeah. I'm sick of him. Screw diplomacy for him.
0: Hey everyone. Thanks again for listening. As always, if you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. If you have any questions on today's topics or suggestions for future episode topics, you can reach out to us on X, Twitter, somewhere. I don't know. I'm at XORRO uh, underscore. Corey's at ew. Muskland
1: sounds like a <laughs> really stinky place.
0: And probably is, actually. Yeah, it probably is. Corey's is at second and the both of us are at hashtag the 443 podcast. Muskland, really? Thanks again for listening, and you'll hear from <laughs> us next week gross